listening to Girls Gone Wad. This is Joy. And this is Claire. This is episode 217. This episode will be airing when I am in Hawaii. And it's a coincidence that we interviewed Rory Zambard from the Ultimate Hawaiian Trail Run. So we um, do not have a sponsor for the podcast this week. And we wanted instead to focus on raising funds for this awesome event and this awesome organization that is uh, CrossFit Poipu and their um kids program and if you are not familiar with the ultimate hawaiian trail run we talk about it at, you know the entire episode and you, you can find out um where all to find them but keep an eye out this week on our social media um girls gone wad podcast on instagram uh, facebook.com forward slash girls gone wad and we will be posting all the necessary information to tell you guys how to donate to this program and donate to the event and help continue to um let their work grow and reach more and more kids who are faced with you know either coming to this program or potentially going down the road of substance abuse and so that is the root of this program is to get kids out of the vicious cycle of substance abuse and um what they're doing is just so awesome and Rory has a heart of gold and we're so excited to talk to her this week and really excited to tell you guys all about this program. Thank you guys so much for listening and here's the interview. Okay, cool. Um, okay, so I really want to start Rory with, and we're recording now. Um, I want to start with when we first met you and um, I'd, I'd known who you were, of course, but I, I, I remember like first meeting you um, at the games this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were just so welcoming and you were like very friendly. And then there was this huge bowl of uh, tortilla, <laughs> tortilla chips. chips and salsa. <laughs> and I just remember yeah. like you being so excited to start eating the tortilla chips and salsa. And I was like, <laughs> I really like this girl. And we were all like huddled yeah. around the bowl of chips all night. <laughs> and, and and then you told a story about how you had a dream that you married Jimmy Fallon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is my memory that right? Yeah, no, definitely. He's definitely my like my like dream world husband. So <laughs> so funny. Was there any more detail so, to the dream? Was it like you know? Did you uh, have the Muppets may or may not have been involved? Oh, in it. okay. Were they like wow? Were they in the you wedding party? Has, yeah, you know how he has the skit with the Muppets. Have you guys ever seen that? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. he, he's got a sketch where he sings with the Muppets, and they were the wedding party. Oh, <laughs> that is amazing that is so good it sounds so ridiculous when you say it out loud not that it's like less ridiculous in right. my head but yeah I don't know. <laughs> it's objectively ridiculous all the way around yeah do you have do you have are you like a vivid dreamer are you the type of person who always has weird dreams and you remember them or is this like an outlier no. This is a certainly an outlier, which is why it's just even better. <laughs> I, I want to remember my dreams. I wake up every morning and I was just talking about that today, how like I can't recall anything. And then there's the ones that stick out. You know? <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> so we had a really good beginning of getting to know you and meeting you. And uh, we ran mm-hmm. into you throughout the entire weekend. And so yeah. um, I, uh, I just remember being like, I'm going to really like this girl because... <laughs> You we're just all huddled around the tortilla chips and salsa You're, and like you were just yeah. as excited about everyone it. else is like out having these like oh. changing conversations and we're like so someone just made salsa though and yeah. i feel like we need to eat it yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one's guarding the chip so right. i feel like that's my job that can be my job today yeah i can do that yeah, yeah. <laughs> chip guard team for the win so um, the other thing, Rory, is I was listening to a bunch of the interviews you've done previously with like Brute Strength and um, Beyond the Barbell. And there's been a few that you've done. And so I was like trying to yeah. get the vibe and um, Chris the Beeler's. Research. Yeah, the research. And the and Chris, because <laughs> you do have quite the history. I was like digging into your, your history. Um, uh, Chris Beeler's podcast was really good. And he was just, I just really yeah. enjoyed the conversation you two had. You can tell that you guys are really good friends. Yeah, Spiel's the man. Spiel's. Love that guy. Yeah. Um, although when you first called him Spiel's, like, in the in the podcast, I was like, did she just call him the wrong name? <laughs> <laughs> awkward. So awkward. I'm like, oh, um... no, she said Spiel's, not, like, I thought you said, like, <laughs> some random name or something. Um, yeah. But... I'm I'm just I'm so dang impressed that you started CrossFit in 2004 <laughs> when you were 13 yeah. and I was just and like was oh kid. my gosh you're like legit where was that uh Rainier CrossFit it's in like the Seattle area about an hour south of the city yeah it was and the eighth affiliate in the world 
number eight. That is so cool. That's crazy. Yeah. So, like, as a 13-year-old, were you just like, I don't really know what this is? Or were you, like, playing sports? Dude, nobody knew what CrossFit was back then. Yeah. We just we just did it. And um, so I played sports growing up. I, I swam a little bit, but my sport of choice was softball. And I started going to the gym because my mom did. Her boss owned the warehouse that Rainier CrossFit started out of. And so she started going. Then, like, a week later, she dragged me with her, and the rest is history. I just fell in love. That So do you remember, like, as a teenager, being like, I, like, seeing it blow up, was it, what was that like? I mean, I think it, it really it was still, like, speed. it was still, it was really, like, underground until, like, what, 2007, 8? Yeah, I think even, like, 2009 was yeah. the first year I remember people being like, oh, CrossFit, I've heard of that. Oh, okay. Um, so it was, I grew up, and, I mean, I remember the first day that, my mom and I weren't the only people in class. Yeah. I remember when someone new showed up and then I remember the day Rainier hit 50 members and then the day they hit a hundred members and how big of a deal that was. Whereas now, you know, if you open a gym and you don't have 50 members within the first few months, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. That is so, so there's, crazy. Yeah. It's crazy, but it just watching it grow and watching our little gym grow and our family grow. And I remember probably 2009 was the first time people started really recognizing what it was and it started to pick up steam Yeah, and then it just blew up and from there. Completely blew up. And you went to the games in 2013 and 14. And yeah. what I think I wanted to ask you about is a lot of what you talked um, about with Chris Beeler was kind mm-hmm. of like hanging, hanging it up, so to speak, and not competing anymore and stepping away from that. And I know you had an injury. Yeah. And mm-hmm. what really struck me was the conversation about how you were like, I really had to move on and I had to find my worth in something else. And um, I know people say that a lot, like when they're when they retire from something and they're like, well, I have to find my new identity now. But you it sounded to me like you were having like somewhat of a conflict anyway, like an internal conflict of like finding the balance of doing so much. And absolutely. I just found that really the way you worded it and the way I could tell it was really meaningful for you was like, can you Mm -hmm. talk a little bit more about like what? you found when you did walk away and um what appears to me like you really don't do it like how often are you crossfitting now um like it's not to the level that you you know <laughs> no, where you oh were identified God, no. with i probably work out crossfit like two or three times a week for an hour or yeah. less yeah and i mix it in with like real life stuff these days like there's jujitsu that happens and surfing that happens and hiking i mean i live in the mecca of activities on an island so yeah anything I can do to stay busy but honestly I CrossFit organized probably to maybe three times a week yeah which I think that the the place that you were saying was like what was what was it that you found after you ended that lifestyle because yeah. it sounds to me like you really found like a more of a film more of a fulfillment absolutely I'm also, I'm also curious like as you walked away from that lifestyle like what do you think you were looking for and how does that vary from what you ended up finding sure well the journey to get to where i am um has been long and definitely challenging in a lot of ways because it's i i i grew up doing crossfit and anybody who does what we do understands the role that it takes in our lives and how much bigger it is than just fitness and so can you guys hear me yeah I just got yeah, yeah oh, okay can. good um it just is such a so much of a bigger role than just exercise. And so it was hard for a really long time to separate who I am as a person and my identity from what I do with my time. And because so much of my time had been spent invested into the CrossFit community at large, whether that's, you know, starting as a CrossFit kid, working into being a CrossFit Games athlete, working for, you know, the company of CrossFit teaching seminars, But every angle of my life was disposed upon this one community. And it was so entangled with where I spent my time and my energy that it slipped into becoming who I am as a person. And so when I could no longer be a competitive athlete and pour my time and energy into that arena in the same way that I had done for years and years, um, I went through, you know, without better words to describe it, a full, like, quarter life crisis Mm -hmm. is who who am I if I don't have this and I know that this struggle that I walked through isn't something 
that I'm alone in. And you can replace CrossFit with anything in someone's lives that they've dedicated a significant period of their, their life and their time and their heart towards. Um, and for me, it was CrossFit. And when that activity was something I, not that I didn't want to do it anymore, but could no longer do. Um, I wanted to, but I couldn't because of the injuries I'd has, had sustained and had it ripped out of my life. I found myself in this vacuum. There was nothing really left to fill it. And and I spiraled for a little while. It was a really challenging period of time trying to find out and refigure out who I am and what I'm worth and what my self-worth is without um, being a competitive athlete. And I would say confidently that it's really been up until a year ago that I struggled with that. So two, three years of just kind of the spin out um, and searching and seeking in different areas. And not until I moved to Kauai and found, you know, my identity independent of any external stimulus, anything in life, but who I am rooted in my soul, that I've been able to find, you know, comfort and satisfaction and peace regardless of the circumstances. Was that a part of why you moved to Kauai? Um, the events that led me here, I had no idea what to expect when I moved here. So no, it's not why I moved, but Mm -hmm. it's definitely a part of what came with it. Uh, the events that led me here were pushing in this direction. Certainly my life in Seattle was getting smaller and smaller by the day. Um, just when your social group shrinks and you, what you feel like is, is fulfilling is shrinking. All of that was happening and I was seeking, my heart was open And I came for the race, the Ultimate Hawaiian Trail Run in 2015 as an athlete with progenics and um, was just enamored. I was so taken by the cause and the kids and and the event and the heart of it. And I came back to visit Kauai a couple months later. And by the end of that one-week trip, I knew without a doubt that it was where I was supposed to be. So I landed after my red-eye flight home and booked a trip to come back before I even walked off the airplane and I moved here six weeks later. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Nuts, yeah. Um, I, I definitely want to get into a lot more of, you know, what you've been doing down since you got there. But I really want to go back to what you said about separating yeah. your identity from what it is that you do. Because yeah. I think that that is such an easy thing. And it's such a straightforward solution to the question, who yeah. am I? It's like, who am I? Well, what, do you, what are the things that you do? Well, yeah. I'm an athlete and I... And, uh, you know, account manager or whatever those things may be. Mm -hmm. And I think to your point of like all of those, any one of those things or all of those things could be removed from your life without your say. Yeah. You know, you could get injured, you could get fired, you could, whatever that may, might look like. And so, you know, I just, I think that that brings up a great point, which is that I would say most of us don't spend very much time cultivating an identity outside of like the, the, to-do list throughout our day and the agenda that we keep absolutely I think it's a huge issue for me um what I've put my finger on is and what I still work in and 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 consider often is separating my self-worth from my productivity that Mm. I I am worth infinitely more than what I produce and and that nothing that comes from me around me or surrounds me has anything to do with who I am. And my identity has to be rooted in something um, beyond the material and beyond what we interact with day to day. And for me, that's God. For me, that's I, my life is, is founded on a rock that is much greater than myself. And my identity and my self-worth come from being a child of God and getting the opportunity to play an irreplaceable role in this grand adventure we call life, you know, and that's, that's, that's just it. And my role, my role as a child of God, it changes and, and I get to play whatever role and fill whatever shoes are necessary. But who I am is, is nothing to do with the role that I play. And that's, um, that's something that is really difficult still. And I think for all of us, because we want to feel value, um, in, in an immediate gratifying sense. And sometimes it's hard to hold on to that, that my worth is beyond um, my productivity. Yeah. And I love that. And I think that, you know, even taking a step back and, um, you know, I know that there are a lot of different ways to describe what that bigger picture might, might look like mm-hmm. to different people. Um, mm-hmm. and, but I think that, 
you know, whether it is God or, you know, if you look at it as the universe or whatnot, like it's very, very difficult to, um, to not agree with the fact that you are, you as an individual on this earth are completely unique, whoever that person is. Yeah. And you bring completely unique things to whatever situation you're in. And therefore, like within that uniqueness, that's like your value, not how you necessarily even affect the situation you're in, but just inherently those things that mm-hmm. are true about you. Absolutely. I love that. I think that's awesome. I think that a lot of people would be a lot happier if that's really how we lived as opposed to being like, well, I didn't get this right. promotion at work and therefore I suck or like my kid got mad at me. Therefore, I'm a bad parent, you know, whatever. It's oh, like, my no, gosh. Yeah. You know, and it's, those things are so fleeting in the scheme of things and, you know, in the scheme of your life and in the scheme of, you know, whatever else is out there. But they can feel so permanent and feel like they are so tied mm-hmm. to, like, you know, if you are working towards this promotion for a long time and then you don't get it, like, that can send you for a tailspin, you know, or any number Absolutely. of different um, examples. But I just really like that. Yeah. I think that's something that. I don't think we've really talked about that much on this podcast, but I think that that's something that, you know, is also, you know, when it comes specifically to your physical body, I think that's also really Mm -hmm. interesting. And something that we talk a lot about is like, you know, you are not a, you are not a set of abs. You are not a pair of shoulders. You are not your (laughs) legs. You are not, you know, like Mm -hmm. you can't sit down and focus on like, well, if this one body part was, was better then I would be, you know, a better person. Cause like, that's right so tiny that, in the scheme of the totality of your life and like you know we all have those days where we sit there and we're like oh my god I just feel like such a sh- like I just feel dis- <laughs> disgusting right now and that's fine like you know that's a valid experience to have but if you have that root of your identity you can remove yourself from that situation and be like okay I you know I'm allowing myself to have this like, kind of pity party but I also am not letting it affect my self-worth yeah, that's that's the challenging part is not allowing it to affect your self-worth and mm-hmm. strategy that I've always used something my mom impart to me is especially when you're dealing with challenging emotions whether that that's like about your self-image or your self-confidence or some external thing that happened whatever situation it was she'd always say put a timer on it. That <laughs> <laughs> I can I can have my emotion and I can hold that emotion for 5 minutes or however long I choose to. But I'm going to hold that. I'm going to be angry. I'm going to feel bad. I'm going to cry for five minutes. And then as soon as the timer goes off, I'm going to let that emotion go and leave it behind me and then turn back to what is it and who am I and what am I worth without that action in my life. And, and for me, it's, you know, we could play the game of ifs, you know, mm-hmm. if I was skinny then. If I had muscles then, if I had this job then, and we play that game continually in every area of our life all the time. And we think that arriving at some destination is going to solve our problems. But the one common denominator in all of our problems is us. (laughs) And (laughs) so it, it has nothing to do with the outside, like happiness or peace or that transcendent peace that we're all looking for doesn't come with anything from the outside it's inside out hey Rory have you ever considered being a preacher (laughs) Um, I swear you have like the best just natural talent of or gift I should say of just being like this just comes out of me and I don't know where it comes from. <laughs> it's like the most amazing. I know it's so great. And by the way, oh I love, I love mom quotes. Like that's such a good mom Dude. quote to have mom growing up. The best it's mom the best wisdom. wisdom. Put a timer on it. Put a timer yeah, on it. It's the best. Put a timer on it. Okay, well, Ma, I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I was listening, what like really struck me when I was listening to the interview. I, the, by the way, listeners, you guys should go to the, Chris Spieler podcast, I think it's Icon Athlete, and listen to Rory's uh, interview. Because I, you guys both just, I could tell you both like could really bond over the competitive aspect and walking away yeah. from that. And But what really struck me, and I heard it so much differently, was um, how you can use your fitness more than your self-worth too. So like mm-hmm. you're, I mean, that kind of was a light bulb moment for me, I have to say, because I feel like I've been stuck on this hamster wheel of doing the same routine and like just Mm -hmm. going to the gym and doing the same things and seeing the same people, which I love. But 
it's it's like you kind of had like this moment where you're like just opening the door and like going outside and like experiencing nature and like things we all know we should do to use our fitness but I think what struck me more was like the meaning that you were saying that we put on it like if I don't go to the gym I'm bad or oh my gosh I'm such a you know lazy person and it's like that just completely flipped the script if we don't go to the gym, what's wrong with us? Like, I feel so bad about myself if I don't make time to exercise when just the perspective and reality shift of who we are in this tiny community that we are so inundated with a high level of fitness, we forget yes. what real life looks like. Totally. That, like, it's actually not normal. World, hear this. Not normal to have, <laughs> to have eight abs. It's just like, not. That's not normal. And super not normal. It's super not normal. And you have to make a lot of sacrifices in a lot of areas of your life to get to that point. Yep. Dude, I've done I've done it. It yeah. sucks. Yeah. And, and like, just you know, I think if that's your goal, then like that's go. your goal. And but I'm still but people, I am still so many things. Yeah. I I'm still gonna stand by I don't care how many people I piss up, but I'm still gonna stand by my stance that you can't be like living in a perfect world and having perfect abs and being like I'm so happy. I I I call bullshit. Like that nope. is that's a miserable existence. <laughs> like having lived both sides of the spectrum personally, but also anecdotally of what I've seen from the athletic world. I love them and they are wonderful and probably way more than I'm giving credit for people who don't fall into this category, but most of the people who are competitive athletes are crazy. They're straight nut jobs. <laughs> yeah. And it, because you have to be, you, you literally have to be, have yeah. to be in order right, to, to do like so what you're doing. Singularly minded. Yeah. Yes. You're so selfish and so singularly focused because that's what it demands. And it's not bad. That's not a qualitative statement. It just is. And you, you, you have to know that like without those things, there is almost no identity. And I think Chris Spieler is a great exception to that rule. Rich Froning was always an exception to that rule. You know, there's some people who really stand out that their fitness is not who they are yeah. and they mm-hmm. walk that and they act that. But there's also a lot of people who are just crazy in that world. Mm-hmm. And they're, right. if you were to take that away, there would be very little else about them. Yeah. And they're, they're so self-conscious about their bodies and they're so fixated on the appearance that it even, it, it, it's more important than performance. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So I just had to thank you for those little nuggets of wisdom that I took away too. Cause I was just like, wow, yeah. that it what it, well, at least for me, it inspired me to really look at my routine with what I do for working out and how I can use my body and not using it as like a, you have to do this, or you have to go to these classes yeah. or you have to do these movements and even just, you know, taking different types of classes or doing different types of activities. Um, but yeah. for the sake of like, not putting your body through this, uh, um, self-worth if I do this class or if I do this, uh, 10 mile mm-hmm. run, you know, then I'm like a good person or I just whatever. It's more like, no, you're just yeah. go outside and experience life. There's some really awesome things around you. Yeah. And I love what you said too about like, it is so true that when you're in this little community, it just seems like this is the, this is the norm, like, because it is the norm within CrossFit. And when you're in yeah. it, it just seems like, well, this is just what everyone does. And then you take one tiny little step out of this bubble it's like, wait a minute, only Uh like, I mean, CrossFit has gotten really big, but it's still tiny. And, you know, like jazzercise is still bigger than CrossFit. (laughs) I didn't know that. That Well, I don't know that. I don't know if that's a true statement, but like, you know, I think uh, out in the world, more people know what jazzercise (laughs) is than they know what CrossFit is, you know? And so like, when you think about it that way, it's like, at the end of the day, the reality that is put in front of you if you're the type of person who like only follows Instagram accounts of CrossFit athletes and then spends all their free time at the gym and you know like I think it just can get very um unrealistic and you know yeah. your, your expectations and the the expectations you put on yourself ultimately don't reflect the real yes. world I think if there's anyone listening to this that's in a place where they're struggling to find their self-worth while still doing CrossFit and they don't really feel like they're worth it or they're not beautiful or they're not seeing results, I challenge you to turn off social media for two weeks yes, and then totally. re reevaluate how you feel about yourself because it is such a mind bender to turn on social media and that's all you see is perfect this and perfect that and pretty this and abs all over the place. And that then abs are everywhere. you forget what <laughs> reality looks like. Yep. Dude. 
abs everywhere. Abs on people's abs. (laughs) Dude, it's nuts. Turn it off. Put your phone down. Put a timer on it. Put a two-week timer on it. Put a timer on it. (laughs) And then reevaluate. Because you're going to find at the end of that that, like, leaving social media, I only check social media every couple days. And leaving social media has been the biggest blessing to my life. That sounds awesome. That is, uh, we should yeah, do that, Jay. I, I know. I was just like, wow, that's something that would be freedom. St- the reason I had a strong reaction is the exact reason why I should do that. Dude, well, Coach Glassman always says that the, the difficulty exactly describes its need, whatever that is. <laughs> Dude, if you, do you have a difficult time Joy? doing it? <laughs> oh my strong no! my yeah my strong reaction was like oh god i don't think i could do that <laughs> and that's the reason i should do it yeah my reaction was so more tired. like oh my gosh that sounds amazing that would like t- give me so much time back of my day yeah freedom that's very true so tell yeah. me about the uh ultimate hawaii trail run and how that started and how you got involved because i know this is coming up for you yeah it is coming in hot. We're like three weeks away from the race. Um, it's crunch time. But the Ultimate Hawaiian Trail Run, it's a major fundraiser that happens every year. This is the fourth annual race to support our kids program that's free for all kids to participate in. So the heart of the program, um, drug and alcohol abuse is a humongous problem in Hawaii. Substance abuse is one of the biggest issues amongst the youth out here. And Hawaii has the highest methamphetamine use per capita anywhere in the nation. And suicide rates, depression rates, all things that come alongside with uh, addiction are rampant amongst kids out here. And so the heart of the program started about 20 years ago with Aaron Hoff, the founder of of the organization. And he is born and raised on Kauai and um, was fell prey to all of those things. He started early and went hard all through his teens and early 20s and now he's 20 years sober and he's dedicated the last 20 years to um, remending bridges and giving kids another another option and so the heart of the program is based upon that and what happened about five years ago when CrossFit Poipu opened is his first reaction was wow this works and second what a cool community and third kids are always going to be free because it it found a way for the first time in his sobriety to get to people before they were in rehab or before they were calling him suicidal or before he was dragging them to meetings. He had a chance to to nip it in the bud and create a community that kids could belong to long before they ever ran into those issues. And so kids have always been free. And then about three years ago, the program launched as a full the full event launched. Um, and two years now, we've been um, a legitimate nonprofit organization. But the heart is centered around these kids. And what we do is we build a community that allows them to, to create relationships on the island with adults, with their peers that are outside of what the norm is. And the norm is mediocre. You know, average is, is the ceiling here. Um, no one thrives or dares to be bigger average is completely acceptable and so we create community and we create relationships um i think it's it's multiple reasons one it's a it's an island and surfing a literal island yeah it's a literal island so you have (laughs) this like petri dish that happens that Mm -hmm. you know you're you're contained and so nothing else gets in which doesn't raise the standard and two it it is a water culture and there's something about the water that brings stillness and it brings acceptance and it brings um, a lot of beauty, but to a degree. And then there's a point at which real life has to happen where you reach for more. But there's this surrounding of like surfing is life here and the ocean is life here versus, you know, all the other things that happen outside of it. Right. And then there's also the generational issues of substance abuse that it's not the only generation affected by it. It's Mm -hmm. years and years and years of this occurring. And so that cycle of generational abuse plus laziness plus it's an island without resources just creates this containment where the kids get trapped. It just becomes like a vicious cycle. Yeah, absolutely. So you're at a point too where, uh, have you always done this? Are you still picking up, do you pick up kids to do the program? Yeah. 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 So the heart, like the program's amazing. Where it started is incredible. And how it's transformed since I've been here is remarkable, too. We provide um, transportation for 
all kids to get to and from the gym. So Which is that amazing pick them up because it's not like, yeah. it's not, I mean, it's pretty spread out there. Yeah. And the, the kids we want are the ones that their parents won't drive them. Yeah. So transportation is essential to the success of our program. So we pick them up from school, we pick them up from their homes, we bring them to the gym, we work out, we feed them, and then we drive them all home afterwards. So we include all of the parts and pieces. It's, um, and honestly, the van time, we have these huge 18 passenger vans that we drive all over the island, is some <laughs> of the best some of the best time with these kids because they're just a riot and you get them in a car and they're just a blast. I've never laughed so hard <laughs> slash been so angry. All it was. age range that you mostly work with? Uh, we have, well, it ranges from five to 17 and every given day we have almost 50 kids participating wow. in the program. Oh my God. That's split pretty much down the middle. Um, Juan, Juan Gonzalez is the coach that we use for our little kid program. So five to 11 are with Juan and then I take 12 and up. So that's, he takes the littles and I take the, um, I call them tiny heads. He takes the tiny heads <laughs> and I take the, the 12 to 17, which is the middle and high school range. Oh, the medium heads. That's fun. Yeah. Those ones. The adult wannabes. <laughs> Oh, what an awkward time <laughs> period for oh, it, everyone involved. If you had asked me at any point in my life if I thought I would work with middle school boys primarily, <laughs> I I would have la- I would have laughed. At you. Yeah, absolutely under no circumstances would that happen. And right. here I am finding how so would you much like, joy. How would you like to get dedicate your life to the most awkward demographic possible? <laughs> <laughs> They're actually insane. Yeah. Like that's the beauty of it is like you look at them, they'll do something, and I look at them and I'm like, what were you thinking? And then they just stare at you blankly. I'm like, oh, right, right, you weren't. Like, you oh, didn't. hey, your frontal you cortex, like your, you yeah, actually can't. <laughs> your frontal cortex or whatever it's called is not developed. That's right. You physically yeah. are incapable of thinking um, through consequences to your action. Yeah, there, what it, I was like, oftentimes is what do you, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah, it's my question, and they're like, "Uh, didn't get that far." <laughs> Literally, did not even think about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, talk about how the trail run came to be and how it ties into all of this. Yeah. So the trail run happened like by the grace of God. Aaron just had this need. He felt like he had a need to raise money to support all these kids that were coming through. He had about twenty kids originally that were just kind of filtering in and out of the gym. The run started, and he has a great relationship with some key people in our community that helped him get it on its feet. And uh, and we were lucky to have some advocates with big voices that just broadcasted it for us. And by the second year, it doubled in size. And last year, we had seven hundred people running the race, oh and we're expecting yeah, we're expecting a thousand this year. Um, but the run is a direct correlation to the kids program. So this is our major. Uh, fundraiser raises a ton of money for us to be able to to keep our program running, and it also functions as our megaphone. You know, it raises awareness and it raises the word to not just talk about the event, but talk about the issue, which is substance abuse, and it is a lack of community and it's a lack of positive relationships for kids to grow up uh, living in the middle of. So the run is is the heart and soul of it's our it's one of the backbones of our program. Can you talk about what you guys actually do? Because pretty much all I know about it is that you get super dirty and like, I mean, it looks like a great time, but it also looks really intimidating for somebody who's not like a super athlete to be a part of. Yeah, which I totally understand. That's probably our most frequently asked question is everyone you talk about is super jacked. Can I actually do this? And the answer Or they're a 12 year old boy who has no like care for their life or limb. Right. There's that. (laughs) Um, And they all run barefoot. For the record, <laughs> they run it barefoot, full island kids. But the race is totally doable by anybody. The way I describe it most often is it's either a beautiful hike or a really terrible run. <laughs> if you <laughs> choose to run it, it's really challenging. If you choose to hike it and take your time, it is beautiful. And you'll get some really scenic and incredible views throughout the course of the race. At no point in time will you be unable to do it. There's ropes set up strategically, plenty of safety nets and fallback. And it's one of the great things about our community is you're, there's always a helping hand to pull you anywhere you need to go. 
Uh, and then all the muddy obstacles people see towards the end are completely optional. You oh. can just walk right past them. So <laughs> you don't. You don't have to go through the mud pit in order to hit the finish line. But well, really, why pass it up? I know, how, many options, like how many opportunities well, do you not? have in your adult life to like splash through a puddle of mud? Not enough yeah. is the answer. Not enough. And it okay. Do you understatement of the century is puddle of mud? Yeah. This thing <laughs> a cosmic vat of right. mud. Like, <laughs> you will you will have red dirt coming out of your ears for a week. That's kind of that mud. sounds pretty awesome, actually. It sounds very like like detox. Uh, yeah, I talking about like the you island, island experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I feel like you can market that as like you know gut biome regeneration. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this so, is like held by it. where Jurassic Park was filmed. I mean, that's another bonus. You could be like, no one else can go here except you. That's so true. It's private property, so the Knutson Trust and the Garden Island Motorcycle Club are two of our huge partners for this run. They're really the only reason we can actually make it happen because they, the Knutson Trust owns the land. So it's privately owned property that we get to do this race on. And unless you know the guy who knows the guy, um, you're not getting access to the land. So there's, it's just a, it's an opportunity you won't have unless you, you go through the trail run. So you have a ton of professional athletes come out for this too, which must be so much fun. It's great. We have a lot of advocates from all over the world that participate in what we're doing. I mean, this year we've got like China Cho and Stacey Tovar, um, Sam Dancer and Easy Muhammad are coming out. Spiel's coming again and just some really wonderful people, Dan Bailey, that have hearts of gold to support who we are and, and, and what we do. And um, we have some surfers coming out as well and just people from every other area, uh, but the one thing that they all have in common is they understand the heart of the program and they have hearts of service and they choose to give back because the the beauty of this event is that it does, however cliche that sounds, until you experience it, um, it, it holds aloha. Like there's so much love and aloha and the spirit of Kauai bottled up into this event and it is tangible. You can feel it. And it's really special. Uh, what do the kids say on that day? Are they like aware of the power of this thing? Or are they just kind of like there to have fun? Um, the younger ones have no clue what's going on. They're just stoked. Yeah. But, the, you know, as they get older, we do a really... Juan and I practice daily of reminding them about being grateful. And the reality is, is that people all over the world know who they are. Um, this program is unique and there's nothing like it anywhere else and so what what they're a part of is special and and that gratitude is what should be felt as a result of that that they have people rallying and advocating for them all over the globe and so the trail run is an opportunity for them to say thank you and to bask in the magnitude of it and i want to um comment too on uh on a funny story you were telling about some of the athletes sleeping outside. <laughs> so like they get like really into the event and like, were they truly sleeping outside? Yeah. Like <laughs> just, um, well, okay. So where I live, it's nicknamed the compound and the compound is like otherwise Hoff Valley. So where Aaron Hoff, the guy who started the program yeah. owns a big house and it's in this little Valley and there's like a smattering of houses all on the same property I live in one little studio bungalow. Juan lives in a loft in the garage gym. And <laughs> there's people who live in a room underneath the house in the actual garage. And then there's little houses all over the place. So it's like um, we're a big Hanai family. Hanai means adopted. We're a big Hanai family. And, um, and on the compound, when the run is happening, it just blows up with people. There's like 40 people. <laughs> 40 people all over here all the time staying in the rooms like camping out and they all end up staying in the lofts most of the boys do which like six or seven guys just sleep on you know eggshell mattresses in the back of the gym and That's it awesome. turns into this like full just snoring sweat zone. <laughs> oh it's disgusting I riff, but you know they're boys so it's fine <laughs> I mean, you coach teenage just, boys. It's not like it's that much of a stretch. Yeah, it's 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 not. But somehow it's like way worser when they're 30-something. 
<laughs> oh, not that these are not the kids. These are the uh, these are actual uh, athletes. athletes. Yeah, these are the, like the athletes and the like sponsors and all the people yeah. who come out to help us out. It's it's amazing how quickly they revert back to those days though, of being sixteen and being like whatever. Dude, when they're around each other, no holds yeah. barred. Which is, by the way, my daily life. <laughs> it's it's hold, I, holding it down on the girlfriend. Wait, I grew up with six brothers. I can definitely relate. Oh, oh, you know, Just so much gas. Why so much? Ew, gas? Yeah, why? <laughs> <laughs> Just so many smells. I never needed to smell. No, I don't want that. No, that's so funny. Um, so. What talk a little bit more about like you know I know that you we kind of glossed over the part of your story where you transitioned down um, and became part of this program and so obviously you're a huge um, a huge part of your role is planning this trail run and um, you know doing the day to day coaching but is that are those two things really the the main tenets of your role down there or are there um, what else I guess what else are yeah. you doing right now and what else do you see for yourself moving forward Yeah um, my I wear I wear a lot of hats, many many hats. Mm-hmm. But the the big ones are I. Aaron is the vision for us. His role is he's the visionary and he's in charge of preserving our culture and preservation of culture and vision fall to him. And then anything that takes action is me. So anytime you like, and I'm talking about the trail run and our nonprofit at large. So. My two major jobs are coordinating this event and making sure that our nonprofit is creating processes and, and becoming more sustainable so we can continue to see growth um, because we want to be scalable. We know this isn't the only location. We're opening a second one in 2018, and then hopefully it'll be all over Kauai on every island of Hawaii and then eventually the mainland. Um, so all the back-end work for the program is myself and the trail run, and then program directing so still picking up all the kids buying all the food and coaching them every day (laughs) so right right now I have um a lot of balls all juggled into the air but if I had a vision for myself moving forward if I were five years down the road um I would be you know co-director of of our foundation and my primary job would be oversight of program and processes but more importantly to be the voice for what we do that Aaron is the vision and I get the opportunity to to vocalize all of the beauty that's happening. And what do you think is next? I mean, apart from um, growing in size, how do you see the mission of the organization continuing to grow? I mean, it starts, our mission definitely starts by reaching more, more kids, um, mm-hmm. not just growth, but about creating depth to our program as well. So our next step is opening a second location on the west side of the island in Keikaha, which is the most rural part of Kauai. It's very localized, and most of the local families have been pushed to that side. And so we are opening location right in the thick of all of that. And that's going to be our launching point for pretty much all of the things that happen from there. Because we're going to have a humongous impact in that community. Because it's so small and so tightly knit in that local culture, we're going to have a dramatic impact there. And in order to see our program continue to, to thrive and see our vision accomplished, it takes scalability. Because right now it works so well because it's Aaron and I. And, right. and what we need to be able to do is create processes to empower other people to be a Rory or an Aaron um, and take charge of their community, accept, um, you know, notice the needs, assess them, and then take action. So how can people get involved? Let's get to the nitty gritty. Um, so apart from the best flying to Kauai and taking, taking place in this amazing trail run event, which yeah. I'm sure every single person on this podcast is like, yes, I would do that in a heartbeat, but life. Yes. But life. <laughs> you know, there's that. Um, Ugh, like, the unfortunate part about what we do is like literally every nonprofit, what makes us function is money. Yep. So donations are the best way to get involved for us. That if you have $5, $50, you can support one a kid for a year, which is a thousand dollars, you know, whatever you have, um, is so helpful for us because that's what keeps these kids, uh, free access to, to the beautiful community that, that we have. But, um, even better than just dropping some money is, uh, advocating on our behalf, which means fundraising because not everybody has money to give away, but you can certainly fundraise and help 
um, whether that's throwing a workout in your gym or asking, you know, your mom or your your aunties and uncles for a little bit of money to this cause that that you are interested in, um, that that's so helpful for us because it grows awareness and it helps us um, continue to to thrive for these kids. So if you want to donate money or become a fundraiser, you just go to www.ultimatehawaiantrailrun.com and then all of the information that you need, you'll just click get involved and everything that you need to know is based on there. And the uh, race for this year is in three weeks, so we can uh, watch. Yeah. Keep. Uh, I always look for the pictures on social media because I see all the athletes participating, and it looks it looks really cool. Right. It's yeah. September sixteenth with some awesome events leading up to the race. Tons of things are going to be going on out here, but um, check it out. Stay in tune for for all of the madness that the race entails. But it's going to be it's going to be a good one this year what's, what's your favorite part of it when it's over i was gonna I, say i'm like are you I'm tired so that, <laughs> that sounds so horrible um no actually spoken like a true event planner yeah but the genuinely the best part for me that lights me up is uh friday before the race we have a kids competition where all of the athletes who come to participate in the run partner with kids from our program to do two crossfit competition style workout and it's an opportunity for the kids to show off all their hard work and to create relationships with these like superstars and get to display you know all of the the effort that they've put in year round and for me it's just such a huge point of pride that I love these kids with my whole heart and I get to see them every day and I get to watch them shine at that point. So the the Friday event is certainly the big highlight for me. And then I have to ask, you know, as somebody who um, also could never see myself working with middle school boys and, you know, doesn't, I don't really feel, not that I don't love Kauai and the Hawaiian Islands, but I just don't feel, you know, super personal tie to those places. And I'm just so curious for you, um, you know, what, what is it about this that when you found out about it, that felt personal to you, that drove you to, to make this your life? Um, I know it's a big question to end on, but I'm just curious, like, oh. you know, for people who are listening to this and being like, this does not really apply to my life. I just mm-hmm. would love to hear, you know, how it became personal for you and, and what kind of brought you yeah. um, across that line. I I think um, the biggest reason is Aaron is like family to me and he's been like family to me since the moment I met him. His story is my family's story. Both my parents are recovering alcoholics and addicts and substance abuse has been a problem in my family on either side as far back as you care to look. So it's an issue that I'm affected by, which I know a lot of people are not alone in that. Everybody knows somebody. And um, it's a story that I've always known and I've seen addiction destroy people that I love. And I am lucky enough to have been a part of a community, the CrossFit community, that gave me a way out in a lot of ways that I was surrounded by people who were so different than my inner circle that pushed me and challenged me and loved me unconditionally. And I, with that combination of like, his story is my story. These kids, I've been where they are and I see where they're going and I've had a part and been privy to a solution that they don't have access to. And so all of that combined together to just this opportunity, it's like, how could I say no? I couldn't. And and none of it was formulated for the record. There was no organization to any of this. It was just like <laughs> you just a felt note. like I need to be a part of this. How can I get there? Yeah. This weight in my heart dropped and I knew clear as day, I have to move. And I did. And I showed up and ever since it was like I just walked up to Aaron and grabbed one of the suitcases he was holding and we started walking. You know, we figured it out and and we've been on this journey of just um, going where God leads us. And our big thing that we say every day to each other is show up to what shows up. And whatever shows up that day, that's what we're present for. And that's what's guided us. And that's where we move is, you know, literally step by step. And sometimes the fog clears and we get to see the bigger picture. But most of the time, we're just looking at our feet, doing our daily diligence to steward well the gifts that we've been, get- been given. I have one last question. And this has nothing mm-hmm. to do with I, I just want to know just living in Hawaii, because I visit Hawaii once a year. And yeah. I just I love the culture. And I love 
just the vibe of Hawaii. There's just something very special. Like the spirit of Aloha is mm-hmm. is very real. And like, what's one of your favorite things just from living there? Because now you're like really deep into the culture there. And if anyone who anyone who hasn't been to Hawaii, like they have their own like legit yeah. culture. Um, they do. Yeah. What's something that you have either adopted or like you see that you're just like, oh, that's so cool. Um, it's the people. Truly, it's the people. There's a high price put on relationship here, genuine relationship. Um, and there's a lot of humility here as well, that people are vulnerable and transparent and humble. And that is so beautiful and captivating and intriguing. And you want to be a part of it. And um, there's freedom in that. And that's what I've been so taken by. What my heart is just moved by is, is the people here and the culture that we've been allowed to, to create. I was challenged recently to put into words what our culture is. And uh, what came to me was that our culture here amongst our small community is we provide people with the grace to be and the room to become. And that's just the, the testimony that I get to walk in every day. And it's, it's unique to this place and it's especially unique to the compound. Oh, I can't wait. I'm going to go there in a few weeks. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So good. Yeah, that's so cool. And I just, I just love talking to you. I feel like I could talk to you for another two hours and just listen to you speak. So I really do think you should become a preacher. And (laughs) just keep that one locked away. Just keep that locked away. So what you're saying is my talents are wasted on middle school boys. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You mean they don't care about big words? (laughs) So what you're saying is this profound, these profound speech talents that you have are not being put to great use <laughs> okay well i'm gonna table that one and yeah, uh, we just keep that one in that your back pocket for a couple years later yeah <laughs> that's so funny awesome well okay so ultimate hawaiian trailrun.com um mm-hmm. where are you guys on social media that people can find you it's all the same at ultimate hawaiian trail run and you can find us on facebook ultimate hawaiian trail run Awesome. Thank you, Rory. Yeah. This has been lovely. So- and I can't wait to see you again so we can hover over tortilla chips together. Yes, please. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, <laughs> listeners. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>